Episode 151 of Some Like It, Scott. I'm your host, Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Shelton. Today on the podcast, we managed to escape the hellhole that was Space Jam 2 in as impressive a fashion as the characters dodging deadly booby traps in the film we're actually reviewing, the horror sequel, Escape Room Tournament of Champions. But first, how are you, Scott? Oh, I'm great, Scott. Wonderful weekend. Saw a bunch of wonderful films. I completed my my first time watch of the Fast and Furious franchise. I continued my featured presentations 2021 challenge with 2013's uh, The Great Gatsby. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on an absolute fire roll. I won't talk about my thoughts on Tournament of Champions yet, but I'm, I'm feeling myself right now. Again, Scott, I would just say that you did this to yourself. You uh, yeah, you did not I have did. to rewatch the Fast and Furious movie. I didn't rewatch it. Watch, first time watch. watch. First yeah. time watch. You did not have to choose the great. What was it? Book adaptation or something for um, uh, best costume teach. design winner. Oh, you did not have to choose that for best costume design. Sure. So I I I, I, I chose it primarily for Leo though because there's, there's actually now yeah. only like a few Leonardo DiCaprio movies like major films of his that I haven't seen and that was one of them. So that was like a more I know that's like kind of against the rule, like kind of against like the ethos of the challenge. Like you're supposed to watch movies you wouldn't otherwise watch. But let's be honest, Scott, I wasn't going to watch this movie if it wasn't for the challenge. I mean, I guess there is some like morbid curiosity about it because, I mean, we both read oh, the book, it was obviously. entirely morbid yeah. curiosity. Yeah. I mean, I think you were a fan of the book as I was. But um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I sure. saw that abomination in theaters and have never thought about going near it again since then. So I'm I'm glad that we were on the same page about that because there are weirdly some people out there who think the movie is brilliant and i just don't yeah, understand david ehrlich get four and a half stars on letterbox well he's washed up but um <laughs> but yeah uh i had a good weekend Savage as well dig. scott went to see this movie on friday night it was only 88 minutes long which is always yeah, you lovely know, prime uh running time for a film elite running time um but yeah, no, uh, looking forward to, to getting into the discussion. So why don't we go ahead and, and talk about our film today, which is the follow-up to the surprise 2019 hit Escape Room, Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Once again, directed by Adam Robitel, Escape Room Tournament of Champions finds the two survivors of the last film, Taylor Russell's Zoe and Logan Miller's Ben, still committed to exposing the nefarious Minos Corporation, which organized the deadly games in the first film. The two follow a lead to New York City, but soon find themselves trapped on a subway train where a new set of Minos escape rooms begins. The twist this time is that the other players, which include family man Theo, played by Carlito Olivero, priest Nathan, played by Thomas Cockerell, and Rachel, played by Holland Roden, who can't feel physical pain, have also survived their own Minos games already, setting up the titular Tournament of Champions with inevitably deadly consequences. Scott, does Escape Room Tournament of Champions provide enough inventive thrills in its 88-minute runtime, or has the clock run out on the novelty of the first film's premise? I think I'll, I, I almost feel like it's a little bit of both for me. I think that the, the rooms 
the you know the titular escape rooms in in this film are quite creative right like they in a less gruesome and, and grisly way i suppose are find the success of like something like the saw franchise right where it has to like innovate in every iteration has to find some new torture scheme to like put all it's like i don't know helpless victims into whereas this one's like i don't know it, it's i mean this one's pg-13 so it's like not even that i think that it's it's a little bit more for the for the you know a, a horror film for the whole family uh, you know a fun horror film for the whole family type and i think that that they're able to innovate on the rooms like they're able to do something different i found the rooms themselves quite engaging whether the clock has run out in this franchise i think that it actually might have benefited a little bit from a a, a saw like approach of discarding all of its cal- all of its cast members from the previous film to give me something new and fresh almost entirely and make this just sort of like an anthology series or have these like detectives trying to track down Minos kind of like they do in the Saw movies. I don't know why I'm talking about Saw so much. I'm, I've only seen like a couple of the films, but I think that the the time feels like it has run out for these characters. I, I do not care about Zoe and Ben. And I actually really enjoyed almost in some ways, like the, the new members of the cast more than the old ones. But the rooms are there. They're really fun. Um, they don't waste too much time getting to the first room. But overall, I, I find it to be refreshing and, and fun enough. I just think that it, it it's taking its like high tier plot or like high level plot like a little too seriously, if that makes sense. I just think that that we could like not do with sort of the the overarching stuff with Zoe and Ben. And I think it would have been just as fun to like, you know, rock up to the theater and basically just have, you know, rewind at new rooms, new characters, new torture scenes. Maybe you get some more lore about like what's going on with Minos cuz like you don't really get any of that in this film, which I actually found really disappointing. Like they somehow we like we know just as much and have just as much lore about Minos at the end of the film as we do at the start. So if that's going to be the case, like why are like, what is the point of this like overarching plot? And I don't mean to like overthink this too much. Cause at the end of the day, it is just sort of a kickback, have a good time for 85 minutes or 88 minutes or whatever it is kind of film. But it left my, like scratching my head a little bit. Why there had to be, if we weren't going to advance anything at all in the film, why we had to have 20 to 30 minutes of setup and conclusion you know, at the end of the day and why we couldn't just have like, you know, even more devoted to the escape room, which is the, I mean, those, those are the most interesting parts of the film for me. I mean, yeah, I, I have to say, you know, I did watch the first escape room a couple of weeks ago in preparation for seeing this. I didn't see it when it first came out. You did. Um, I, I didn't see it in theaters to be clear. I saw it like six months after, okay. but, but I did see it more, more close to its release. Yeah, and I thought it was it was fine. You know, I, I wasn't That's what I overly impressed with it. I thought that you know there's an upside down bar sequence from the first one, which I think is the real yeah. standout of the film. But didn't find Agreed. many of the characters particularly engaging. And I, I, watching this movie, I think I, I pinpointed something else, which like the first movie to me, I feel like they were just kind of like it was more about surviving like these deadly traps. This movie, it feels like there is more of an emphasis on like actually solving puzzles and, um, you know, getting from one room to the next by like actually using their intellect, which I appreciated because 
that's what an escape room is, right? Like, yeah. If, if you, I haven't actually been ever been to one of these in, in real life, but oh, um, yeah, but it, you know, you have to solve puzzles and, and things like that. And I felt like there was a lot more of that going on in this movie than in the first one. Um, now, granted, the solutions to the puzzles often were things where you don't want to think about them for more than 10 seconds because <laughs> they just doesn't really make any sense. But um, I, I appreciated that. And on the whole, you know, I, I have to say I enjoyed this one more than the first film. Um, I don't think it's a great piece of art, you know, a great piece of cinema. Um but I can't deny that, you know, I I did have a good time. I think, you know, number one, the short running time certainly plays a factor in that, as I right. have gone on record saying before. A movie that is 88 minutes long has to try extra hard if it is going to make me truly angry about it. And um, this movie didn't do that. It, you know, again, quite the contrary. It had some very enjoyable sequences. I thought I thought I enjoyed the room design in general more in this movie than in the first movie i really liked the bank the whole bank um sequence in this yeah, one that, i thought that, was really good room for sure yeah yeah the the beachside um you know room i thought was 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 clever as well um and where is it that they go right after they go to the i guess the new york city there, corner yes yeah i really liked that as well that with the acid, acid rain. rain yeah that was that was well done as well i thought um, so like I said, short running time helps. Um, and you know, some of those, some of those other things help. I also think the movies that we have reviewed recently, right. The, the, the blockbusters that we have reviewed recently, like black widow F nine, those, the movies, like those two movies just seemed very sort of going through the motions. You know, I use the word lazy a lot about, um, about F nine. I don't know that I would say that Black Widow was necessarily lazy, but you know you can listen back to our review of that. Like I, I just felt like it was pretty per perfunctory. But um, so it, it, I appreciated that this movie is actually trying something interesting, trying like to show us some cool stuff that we haven't seen before. Um, and so I think maybe it came at the right time too, which is what maybe why I enjoyed it to the degree that I did. I mean, the dialogue at points is really really bad. Um, to to be quite frank, like. I love I, I'm trying to remember some of the lines like I love when they're in the elevator. I guess it's an elevator, but after they escape from the train and the the priest or whatever starts talking about, oh, my diocese sent me a letter like, uh, you know, at this point, you don't even know he's a priest. Um, and I think it's Taylor Russell or somebody else. No, I think it's Brianna who's like, uh, Oh, so you're a pre like, it's just like the expositional stuff is just like, sounds so clunky when thrown in there. And, um, you know, is stuff that you would never actually hear people say in real life. Um, and not to mention the first puzzle, right on the, um, the train the subway train, uh, which again, I thought was good, but they're like, you know, about the electric electricity is going crazy. They're like, you know, up against it. And Taylor Russell looks up at the message on the, board and like it is very clear that like there are three letters missing right it's you know anybody with common sense can tell that at that point that it's supposed to spell out welcome back and she's like the three letters are wb i forget exactly what three letters are working on. and logan miller is just like incredulous like how did you figure that out like what are you how do you know <laughs> like i don't think he's seen the, the, right yeah i don't there. think he'd seen like, it but yeah maybe not but i mean i was just like 
come on, man, like use your brain. Cause I mean, like they had seen the, they had certainly seen the ticker, like yeah, at, at certain yeah. point, maybe not with all those letters spelled out, but like um, that just was a little eye rolly as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie. I thought the characters were a little more engaging in this movie than in the first one. I find I found the priest just to be like a ridiculous character, like in a way that I kind of enjoyed, like his whole like, why did God choose to save me or whatever? Um, I, it was just kind of like, I, well, I it's so like, half baked, but yeah. Yeah, well, I feel like they did it. They were doing it kind of in a tongue in cheek manner, right? Because he just it it turns out then him like in the bank room where he's just like, you know, praying you or whatever, and like you yeah, like, keeps on. And they're like, "Stop! What are you doing?" Um, and you know, obviously, it it doesn't work out for him. Although, I mean, he comes back, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it was. I mean, we didn't it, see him die. We don't know he's dead. Yeah, um, he just went it, through the sand. I thought that character was funny. I liked Holland Roden's character, Rachel, as well. I thought she was a pretty good addition. Um, so yeah, I would I, I would say she's the only character that has explored even remotely a little bit. Yeah, in terms found, of n- look, new characters, at least. Yeah, I, we can go ahead and talk about the cast now because I was going to give my thoughts on them in, in general. But um, yeah. starting, I guess, with the the two returning cast members, right? Which are Taylor Russell as Zoe and Logan Miller as Ben, um, you know, both actors that we have seen in other stuff before Scott, um, you know, they're the two notable names in this movie, I would say. Um, what did you think about their performances? Uh, frankly, not very good. I, I thought that, that Taylor Russell and Logan Miller, I mean, especially Taylor Russell, like, man, I know she's so much more capable than what she did here. Um, I mean, she's I mean, she's great in waves from a couple of years ago. Same year as Escape Room came out, I suppose. But this I mean, this feels like she's man. She feels that she's phoning it in here, which is hilarious to be doing as like a, a 20 early 20s. I don't even know how old she is. She's really, like really young. Um, but I was not impressed with with this. And I think that it felt like a step down in terms of performance. It doesn't really seem like she wants to be playing this character. I guess I'll put it that way. Um, Logan Miller is like the better of the two in terms of performances, but it's a low bar. And he's still like, I can't with his character, even more so than, than, than Taylor Russell's character. I find it really hard to figure out if the performance isn't very good or if the, the character is just written, like just astronomically poorly. Like, he's just, like, always yelling. I mean, this guy is, like, always yelling about everything. And I I hesitate to blame actors if directors are just telling them to yell everything. So I have, like, no idea what Adam Robitel is telling him. But it's it's not a good performance um, for me, I, either of them, frankly. So I, I'll hold my thoughts on the new members of the cast, but I, I was pretty disappointed overall. I don't mind either performance. I mean, again, not Academy Award worthy, but I think they get the job done. Understatement. Not Academy Award. Yeah. Uh, I think I think they get the job done for these roles. Logan Miller, like I have found him generally annoying in the past. And I I often think it is because he plays annoying characters. Like, yeah, um, I think he's better in this than like a lot of the other stuff that I love. Simon is like the biggest example I can think where his character is just the the absolute worst. Yeah. but uh but yeah other stuff as well um and 
However, and I, I felt even felt that way about him in the first escape room. However, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the haircut, but he, he was a little more tolerable to me in this movie. <laughs> Maybe um, it was the haircut. Amazing. He does yell a lot, but they are in high pressure situations. So I guess I get it. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's fair. again, that's true. He's operating at a low, low bar, I guess, for me coming into the movie. And he did yeah. step over that bar. Um, I mean, he's so, a big D bag in, in shithouse, too. So well, that's true. Yeah, he plays the roommate. He's in a great run but of form. Taylor Russell, I mean, she's she's got something. Like she she definitely she's definitely talented. Um, and even if she is phoning it in here, I think she has enough, you know, enough ability to where even her phoning it in is, you know, better is is better acting than you would expect to see in a movie like this, right? Like I think um, she's able to to elevate it some. Um, I just feel like that like the there's just no emotion in this performance. Like for me, like I, I don't think she gets yeah. anything at all. Like the, what she is saying and what I feel like what it, like what I feel like she is experiencing just like do not line up. And I think that, that that's where I think someone's just going to do that. that. That's how I kind of read it yeah. for me. But that, I mean, the, teach their own. I mean, this might be a weird comment, but I like the lisp that she has when she talks because it feels like a like authentic thing, right? That like you know you don't necessarily hear and like leading you know stars in in uh in a movie like that they would have this sort of little just small little thing when they um yeah. speak uh that i don't know it just brings like an extra level of like like i said authenticity or honesty to her mm-hmm. character it's not again it's not even something she could control but it's just like something di- it's something that is different about her from like a traditional movie star i guess um which i thought was which I liked, um, but well, I mean, look, she's yeah, going to have but, a big chance coming up like next year. I don't know when this, when the, when she's going to, when that Luca Guadagnino movie bones and all is coming out with mm-hmm. like, I mean, she's in, I mean, she's like the lead in like an incredible cast with like Timothy Chalamet, Timothy Chalamet yeah. Mark Rylance. I think Andre Holland is in it. Um, just like knockout cast. I mean, we'll and see I if Luca Guadagnino do, can do it, but I think she'll do a good job. She was, oh, I agree in yeah. waves, like you mentioned, um totally but yeah i mean i don't know we'll see if she you know uh, her character you know spoiler alert i guess but it seems like they they want her to be back in the the next one but uh, yeah look yeah. i think they're fully committed to that and i think it's just such a mistake honestly i i think that a smarter if they wanted her to still be alive and so on include a little bit they should have they should just pick the third movie up from a new perspective in, in which that like it like works its way in towards whatever situation mm-hmm. that character is in. I think that that's the way to do it. I just think it's, a, it, I just think it's like absolutely the wrong move to keep these, like to keep going back yeah. to these characters. Like maybe somebody else is on that plane at the end who we can yeah. tell their story. Absolutely. Uh, in the third movie. Absolutely. But I think that's perfect. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, she, she is probably too good to, to keep doing these movies. I would definitely um, agree with that. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, the two of them together like i don't what is their relationship supposed to be like is there supposed to be some sort of sparks between them because there's really not like between her and logan <laughs> I can't Miller, tell. like i yeah, don't even I, know if adam robotel knows i i don't think so but yeah i i don't know i just found it like like i felt like i just kept waiting and waiting like okay are they gonna have like a romantic moment now but no it's just like they're just a couple of besties i guess but um also i will say this is more of a general comment than a specific to the cast but just made me think about this when you're talking like i was just thinking more about the fact that the first film made 150 million dollars yeah incredible return for that movie 
And I just can't help but think, I know the pan, like originally this probably was supposed to come out earlier in, in the year in terms of time span. I don't know if it was going to come out in January like the first one did. But like, what a horrible decision to put this movie out in July. Like, my I think theater it should was full, Scott. I, I can't speak to the, the rest of the, it was the full? country. But my theater was, yeah, it was completely full. Holy hell. My, mine had like, I, I saw it at a weird time. I'll admit, I saw it like early on a Friday. I saw it at like 5.45 on a Friday. And the theater was like, I mean, there was like probably like 10 other people in the theater max. Um, yeah. I mean, the film made 13 million this weekend. That's nothing to, that's nothing to like sneeze at in the, and you know, what we're seeing for like pandemic returns and things like that. But I mean, I, I think it was a critical error putting this thing out in the summer. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. I don't, I don't deny that. And I, you know, I was just saying from my experience that there were people it's who awesome saw that you had a full theater, though. That's that's really cool. Yeah, I feel like you really were... missed that in some other movies that it made it made a difference in. For sure, there wasn't like a lot of reactions or anything that I would have. You well, know, I wish there had been fewer reactions in my theater. Oh, really? I told you about this, right? I I had I had this group of three kids. They're oh, kids. right. They're probably yeah, like my age, that, yeah. like our age, behind, like in the row behind me, and. Swear to God, they were screeching like throughout the whole film. Like they were like it was it was so annoying. I equate it to the experience I had watching Gemini Man, where there are some people in my theater who were there to just like heckle the film. And I found it like incredibly grating. It's a horrible experience. It's a horrible experience to have those yeah. people in the movie. It's like one thing if it's cats, right? Like I like I get it. Like we did that at cats, like that that movie is like made to be heckled at not not yeah. intentionally but like that is, that is what the film is at this point but it's like another thing when like there is a movie that is like somewhat serious and like i'm not saying escape room 2 is like a serious film but like gemini man certainly was and there are just people just like ruining the experience and I, and i think that that was an example like i really do think that it affected my experience i was like really annoyed with people behind me there are some genuinely funny moments in this film that i laughed at 100% not not to the level that people behind me were we're just like absolutely cackling at like literally we're like one line into the film and they're like just like erupting in laughs. And I have no idea why. Like, I, I just don't understand. Yeah. I mean, the only part I actually laughed at, I think, was that was the literal ending of the film where they go full Wait, nightmare. That's and, hilarious. Yeah. They go full nightmare on Elm Street too. like, oh, Freddy's driving the bus. Um, the yeah. End. I mean, that, that's yeah. that's genuinely very funny. I don't yeah. know if that's intentional no. or not. <laughs> that, I, that's I think a genuinely it is. Very funny I think it like, like I said, like this is just one of those things like. This is what horror franchises do. I mean, this is that's I mean, seriously, that's like the end of every single nightmare in Elm Street film. It's like, oh, well, we've killed. We finally killed Freddy. Like we did it. Nope. Last scene, he's back. And, you know, that's going to lead us to the next movie. Like that's just to keep it going. You have to do those kinds of. And I appreciate that it wasn't like it wasn't totally like shoehorned in like they did no, like bring no. back that they brought back the stuff from like the start of the film like with her there the scene with her therapist or whatever man. right yeah um which i thought was like yeah it's one of those things where like it's you say they don't shoehorn it but what they do is they make the movie and then they shoot the opening scene so they can shoot well, it the yeah it's one of those things they they probably thought it was more clever than it actually is yeah but there was some thought put into it i guess is what i'm saying um yeah but i think that is true Supporting cast, Scott, our new cast members in this movie, not really anyone um, who we've seen in very much. We've seen yeah. them in very much, but um, Thomas Cockrell, Holland Roden, India Moore, Carlito Olivero. These are your new uh, participants in the game. Anyone stand out to you here? 
Uh, I mean, Carlito didn't last very long, did he? Poor Theo. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're yeah. into spoilers. Spoiling so, spo- spo- something that's like pretty early on in the film, but that is it is a spoiler, definitely. Um, yeah. Like honestly, I I thought I was gonna like like I I kind of like the new members of the cast, but with the exception of Rachel. Like they don't go anywhere. I mean, that's like inevitable with this movie, right? I mean, I don't have any opinion about Theo because he's not around long enough to form an opinion. Although people, again, the 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 people in my theater thought that his character was very funny, talking about how he was always late to things or whatever. Um, they they had a good cackle at him talking about how he was going to be late to his like fiance's birthday or something. I don't know. Yeah. It was a funny line. I did. I I also I I shared their their humor in that one. Um, it was a terrible terrible line. But I I wanted to really like India Moore's character, but there's just like nothing there. And then just like man, the acid rain's a tough way to go. Uh, you know, big spoilers I know, but yeah. And then like Rachel, a character they develop and then just completely discard with. Like I assume that that I mean, counts as that we see them die on the screen because they're I was like gonna getting say, burned do we up. See them die. I mean, we don't. Okay, we do not see them die, but we see them get like gruesomely destroyed by this acid rain. I guess we don't know whether they are actually dead, but if they come back in the next film, like they have been just like absolutely like th- their bodies must be just completely wrecked. Um, so maybe there's some body horror in the next film for you, I guess. I don't know, but uh, I, I wish that these characters had the opportunity to make more of an impact beyond just what, you know, um, Holland Roden's character had. Like I, I liked Brianna as a character. I liked Rachel as a character Nathan was very like I thought he was a he was a ridiculous character but funny. Um, they were they were a good supporting cast for people who you know were ultimately going to be discarded, and it sucks because like I kind of liked them more than the characters we had, which just takes me back to my kind of sort of the main point that I that I started off with is that I just wish we had a whole new cast in this film, and we could have spent more time focusing on them and figuring it out, and less time on Zoe and Ben and. and like, I just like, it's just not interesting. It's not there. Again, it's not even necessarily the performance's fault in that department. Like, I just don't think the whole. Like, like dealing with trauma after something like that is a very interesting topic, not done interestingly at all in this film. And I think that's just the truth. If you're not going to do anything meaningful with the aftermath of the previous one, and you're going to like half lean into the trauma that she, that she's having to deal with particularly, but not not actually explore it, like, why do it at all? Like, it feels like at that point you should just, like, say, screw it. Like, we're just going to throw this out. That's not what they did, so. Yeah, I mean, again, maybe they want to bring her back. Um, oh, I think that I think definitely, right? <laughs> yeah. Whether um, they will or not is another thing, but I think they want to. Yeah, I mean, I did think her character was good as well. I mean, look, it's the same. We're, since we're talking spoilers, I felt the same about Rachel that I kind of did about Deborah Ann Wall's character, Amanda, in the first movie. And. Sure. She comes back. Deborah Ann Wall returns at the end of this movie. Um, yeah. But um, so, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens again. What, the, the theme of movies this summer seems to be. And sure, if we want to even go back all the way to December 2019, seems to be the dead speak. Um, the people who that, that we thought were dead are. We can are go back all of the summer where the dead don't die. It says that in the title. Yeah, um, maybe a slightly different animal, but um, but yeah, I mean, Rachel was the one character for me. I get, I did find the priest character to just to be kind of hilarious, like the the gravity uh, that he yeah. was like giving to every single thing, and like, yeah, I, I don't know, I thought that that was kind of a funny character, but um, yeah, 
Scott, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, which is sort of like the relationship between the plot and like the, the actual plot of the movie, like this overarching plot about Minos Corporation and then the rooms themselves. Um, what did you think? Um, you know, I, I think you've kind of shared some of your thoughts already, but what did you think about sort of um, these, the A plot and B plot, so to speak? Was there was there one that was more interesting to you than the other? Like, do, are you kind of over this whole... The A plot being that the like them trying to track down Minos and expose them and the B yeah, plot being yeah, I, I guess, everything with Amanda's character? I guess if you want to arrange it that way, yeah. I think the tough thing here is... It, like the the corporate intrigue part feels like so perfunctory and like I don't know almost played for like uh, jokes on you thinking that you like you two little kids can like track us down or whatever really we're just like running circles around you yeah I mean look it reminds me of and I will say I think that yeah I'm definitely of the camp of just show me the escape rooms like I don't really care about the other stuff I don't really care about why this is happening necessarily or you know, yeah. what's going on with the corporation. Just show me the, the escape rooms. I kind of feel the same way that I did about like Happy Death Day, right? Which I think is another, uh, which spiritual, you know, kindred mm -hmm. spirits. I think the two franchises, again, a, a low budget movie that ended up doing really well. And so they Definitely, had a quick, yeah. quick turnaround on a sequel. But Agreed. my whole thing about Happy Death Day was like, we don't need to know why the time loop is happening, right? Like it's happening. Let's just have fun with it. Um, and then in the second movie, they do go back and talk. I mean, I still like the second movie a lot, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't think everything has to be explained, I guess is, uh, is my point. And yeah. I, I do think again, though, th this movie, I think has less of it, honestly, weirdly enough, um, than the first movie, like the first movie where it really fell off for me was like the very end, the last room where all of this stuff is going on with like the big bad, that. You know, and the head of Minos, whoever that guy is, or whatever. I was just like, I checked out at that point. Um, but it's this weird thing in this movie of like, yeah, yeah, they start off like that's the the impetus to set the plot in motion. But there's really not a whole lot of focus on that for the rest of the movie. Which, but again, it's, it's in constantly a, in the back of your mind. Though. That's the problem to me. What it's a it's a weird place, like I was saying, because this is the sequel right so you would expect that this is the one where they would start moving this along like advancing the that plot even more and yeah sure. at the end of the movie it just feels like we're in the exact same place as we are when we started it which is that minos is in control they have not been exposed yet and you know the, they're, they're even more in control than, yeah. than at, the, at the beginning these characters are going to have to you know get more evidence if they want to yeah to accomplish their goals so well it's not even about evidence right it's it's they tried to go to the police and the police they had the Minos. police yeah, yeah in their pocket as well i um, think the thing for, to, to this point though and the thing that i think happy death day succeeds in where this one doesn't with that is that i in fact i even say that the balance is similar like the amount that's going in it, like invested in finding the truth about like what's really going on with all this stuff with the time loop etc is they deliver that in a way that is like dripping, like drip feeding you more about like the lore of the universe more than they do like, oh, like, look, there's still crap like going on back here that we have to figure out. And mm -hmm. this film doesn't do that. This film, like, even if you're not into the end of the first movie, which I think is fine. I'm kind of in the same boat there in that department. 
like you're learning something really interesting about the about the world and the universe in those moments. You don't get anything like that in this movie unless you count like, oh, like the police, like M- Minos has the police, which is like not an interesting revelation whatsoever. Not surprising at all. And to me, like as soon as that, like, oh, my God, also whatever actor is like the FBI agent. Jesus Christ, Terrible. like, like <laughs> never cast him in anything ever again. He is yeah, he was god really awful, <laughs> just terrible. Um, it's like not in, like that's not interesting. And like the sci-fi, like the way that they deliver the sci-fi elements of the Happy Death Day stuff is interesting, even though it's not the main focus of the movie. And I think that like if there's going to be a third film, like I like you. You, if you're going to use the same character, like you have to do something more interesting with it. Like you just have to. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time, and you should just make an escape room, like another escape room movie, devoid of this like overarching plot. I, I like. I just feel really strongly about that. I just think that it's it's a waste. I mean, I I don't necessarily disagree with you. You know, again though, at the same time, like we could go on for many movies before. If you look at other horror sure. franchises, we could go on for many movies before we ever actually make any progress in this sort of plot. Like, I mean, look, that's fair. Halloween, Halloween at this point, there's like two of the movies that are actually canon, right? Like they've just, they've retconned everything. Um, but that's and, fine. I mean, like that yeah. doesn't bother me at all. I didn't see any of the crappy sequels sure. that are no longer canon. Like that's fine by me. And nightmare on Elm street. Like I said, like Freddie just like keeps coming back and back and back for like, every movie man um, I, know, I know i know you're all about that nightmare on elm street lore you're like and huge then fi- rabid follower of that movie and then finally in the 2010 remake they're like oh freddie was a child molester and people rightfully hated it which yeah so i guess the last question scott on this note will you see a sequel to this movie i mean yes but i like see most like i see most things that come out in theater am i excited about a sequel no i don't think that i am yeah i mean I, this movie showed me enough again of inventiveness um in the way that that things were staged like i said i guess we haven't talked a whole lot about the rooms themselves but i really liked the, the bank, bank like i said before yeah. um with rooms. this whole sort of you know don't step on the wrong uh you know tile or whatever i was what my is- my main problem with the rooms and i know this is like yeah. so necessary for like one the story but like two like the velocity of the movie like this thing moves so quickly along that you have to do this the speed at which they solve some of these puzzles is absolutely absurd. Like, yeah, no, crazy. I mean, that's, that's probably that's probably accurate. But again, the the solutions to the puzzles, like I feel like, don't always make sense. Like they're in the acid rain thing, and Th- like, that's one that sticks out in my mind in particular. There, that's there's like a saying. they watch the TV right with the news report, and the guy makes some kind Collecting of vague comment water. about like. Yeah above you know in the above you or i I don't know what it was but he makes some comment where i was like wait a minute like number one why would this be the the thing that you would like that would stick out to you or something from this that you would immediately recognize as a clue um and number two like they like they then like look up and there's like a cloud or something and it like that's what kind of sets things in my it just didn't feel like uh there was a logic like we logically went from a to b on what the clue was to that there is this cloud or whatever up there. I wish I could say I, it. I feel that I way about about the, be- about the beach puzzle. Yeah. To some extent, although to I think less or so, the bank puzzle. Like the one that gets me in the bank room is like money never stops. Like don't let it stop turning. And they're like, we have to turn the wheel. We yeah, have to exactly. keep turning yeah. the wheel. I'm like, what? 
How can and, you possibly put that together? And there's so many numbers too, right? Like that the fact that they, you know, are able to come up with the like there's the Logan Miller is literally like throw it tearing through all these papers, like everything has numbers on it. Yeah. Uh but then you know, they're still able to to figure it out. But they tried. Like I was saying, they tried, yeah. and that gets some points for me because again, I did feel like there was a greater emphasis on the puzzle solving here, which is you know, nice. I like it when characters use their brains to accomplish their goals rather than, you know, their physical um, attributes. So which you're, so you're not a fan of Zoe too. then because she's like pulling shit off the walls to like <laughs> cheat the puzzles and stuff. Yeah. She's not playing the rule by the rules, man. That's true. Well, Minos doesn't play by the rules either. Um, no, and then I the guess rules. I guess what what happens in like the beach puzzle, right? It's like because doesn't Brianna – do they all end up going through the same exit or – No, Brianna goes through the fridge. Right, and then it just leads to the same place, right, which yes. – Which geographically was, like, makes no weird, sense but... because she's like a whole floor below them, but they climb up a ladder from where they are to get up into the street. You're 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 thinking way too much here, yeah. Well, yeah. That's probably... You're thinking like a cartographer trust, or something. Tr- trust me, there. I hadn't thought about this until just now, but this is the this is the curse of doing a 40, 45-minute review on these types of things. On that note, Scott, I think we could probably move into our wrap-up for this movie. Uh, what was your sure. favorite scene or moment? Look, I, there are elements, as much as I made fun of it, about the bank heist. I think that's like absolutely the best scene in the movie. I think early on, like the first half of that scene, when they're like, that is some of the best like genuine puzzle solving that I think there is in, in the movie. The second half, not so much. Again, I've already made fun of the whole turning the, the I don't know, the lock wheel or whatever. I've made fun of that enough already. But the first half of that is really interesting where they're doing the clock puzzle um, and they have the different clocks. I think that's really good. I think that's really well done. So that's probably my favorite scene. Yeah, I mean, and, and I did. I did like the concept of the acid rain thing, even though even if there were a couple of parts about it that bugged me i, sure. I liked like timed element of like oh we got to run out here and do everything and now we got to get back under the awning and all this mm-hmm. um and again it's a little weird like um holland roden's character rachel is a little weird just because she doesn't feel physical pain or whatever so it's yeah i don't know it seems like maybe they could have uh well i guess not i was gonna say they could have relied on her more but i mean like I mean, she it doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah. whether you feel it i guess like it's still destroying your body i mean she's still Although, yeah, I don't know. Maybe she's going to come back in the third one and it's going to be like, guess what? The reason I can't feel pain is because I'm invincible. Uh, so I, I think actually what you're going to see is that the reason that she doesn't feel pain is because she's actually part of Minos. She's a sleeper. Maybe so. Um, she's she's the mole. But um, that's yeah, just because okay. it's got the real mole with the friends we made along the way. The real Here's escape the room was the friends we made along the way. I. Uh, I will stand by that. But all right, uh, I think we can move into uh, our scores now for this movie, Scott. Uh, sure. What would you give Escape Room Tournament of Champions out of 10? 4.5. 6.8 for me. I really enjoyed the movie um, for what it was. Um, and like I said, it was it was somewhat refreshing to see something that, while very dumb in particular parts, um, really went for it. Really, uh, you know. Yeah, threw some spaghetti at the wall to see what would stick um, because I don't feel like some of the movies that we have watched recently, which are from more much more well-respected studios, filmmakers, um, franchises, whatever you want to insert there. Um, I don't feel like they have showed the same 
ingenuity and desire to do something creative. But I just think that just this movie me. threw the wrong spaghetti at the wall again. Like they they didn't do it right. But I hear and, and that saying. that's fair. But yeah, you know, there there is spaghetti. But um, <laughs> what a what a cutout line right there. On that, on that, put, put that on yeah. the Blu-ray. There is spaghetti. That is the tagline for Escape Room Three. There are more spaghetti. Um, sure. But okay, uh, Scott, we're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, we do have a couple of news items to talk about, uh, including some wrap up from the Cannes Film Festival from this past couple of weeks, as well as some news on Wes Anderson's next movie. No, not The French Dispatch, the one after that. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to this episode of Some Like It, Scott. Scott, a couple of news items to hit here before uh, we conclude this episode. Uh, the Cannes Film, Fe- Film Festival did just complete uh, its couple of weeks. Um, and before we talk about the awards, you know, one of the films that was shown and was one of the big ticket films at Cannes was the new film from Wes Anderson, uh, The French Dispatch. Uh, but you have some news, Scott, on the film that Wes Anderson is working on after The French Dispatch. We already um, have some information about that. Yeah, you'd be forgiven if when you hear this casting news that they, you know, thinking that they were, in fact, talking about The French Dispatch. Because there are, once again, some Wes Anderson favorites that are going to be co-starring in his next film that's already set to, I believe, begin production like in like less than a month in Spain. And among that cast is, you know, Wes Anderson favorites. Tilda Swinton and Bill Murray. I think those are the two people who are so far uh, confirmed to to be. And I think I think like they've been in like five or six Wes Anderson movies each, if not more. Oh, honestly. Bill Murray's been in like he might have been in every single one except for Bottle Rocket, if we're being honest. Yeah, maybe it was. He, yeah, because was he not? Did he voice a role in Isle of Dogs? I don't remember. I think he probably I think did. so. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure he did. Why not? Right. It's a voice cast. So it's not like he has to do any stunts or anything not like Wes Anderson movies are full of stunts anyway but um yeah so so I think this is interesting it seems sort of like muted news which I was kind of surprised I always feel like when Wes Anderson's making another movie it's a big deal we don't have any plot details or even a title just that it is going to begin production in Spain uh later next month and that's August and that Swinton and Murray are going to be co-starring in it which I mean I think that if someone held a gun to your head Scott and asked you who are the two people who are going to be in Wes Anderson's next film? I'd imagine that you would have at least said one of those people. Uh, right. One of them. So I don't know if this does anything for you, but it's exciting to know that Wes Anderson's not waiting around, right? Like the French dispatch was supposed to come out last year. Creatively, it was done a year ago, you know, if not more. Right. I mean, I think it was originally going to show at the can last year. And so the fact that he's already written another script and he's ready to make another movie is exciting that there's not going to be this really long, you know, waiting period for his next project. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the reason that this is not news, Scott, I think is kind of just like what you said there, right. That it's just, it's almost obligatory at this point that these people are in a Wes Anderson movie. Um, but sure. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to know that it's, it's in the works. Like I, you know, attest to being hot and cold on Wes Anderson. However, I think he's currently on the best form of his career with um, his last three films with 
Moonrise with uh, with Grand Budapest Hotel and Isle of Dogs. I enjoy all of those films very much. And from what I've seen about The French Dispatch, I think I'm going to really enjoy it as well. Um, I don't know. Maybe I've just finally gotten on his wavelength. I do think these films have had a little bit more heart to them um, than some of his earlier work. Maybe that's what um, has left me I think me also cold. they're like a little less weird too, frankly. Maybe, yeah. I, I don't know. The Royal Tenenbaums is the one that people love that I've just never really seen to yeah. to come around on. And Rushmore also uh, is, again, I, I think there there is like a little bit, there is kind of a lack of heart in some of those that, um, but we've seen, you know, uh, directors soften up with age. Noah, Noah Baumbach's films are kind of the same way. Like his, his early films are pretty harsh, but um, I think there's a real... Um, warmth in the last few films that he's made and i'm sure greta gerwig had something to do with that but anyway we're not here to talk about that as much as i would like to love um, all. but talking about female directors scott um a pretty historic moment did happen with those can film festival awards that i was alluding to which is that only the second uh film from a female director to win uh the palm d'Or, which is the award for best film at the festival um, happened this weekend. The, fir- the first one was Jane Campion's The Piano in the early 90s. Um, and this year, the Palme d'Or winner was the film Titan from the French director Julia de Cournal. Um, her first movie, or her most recent movie before Titan was um, Raw, which I liked very much as a, a horror film about a girl who goes to a college for cannibals basically um it's uh it's a pretty grisly film um and not for the faint of heart but i thought it was a very effective um you know blend of sort of a coming of age movie and you know again a a shocker a psychological shocker um and the actress in that film garance marillier um was outstanding and i believe that she is also in this new film titan so this was definitely one that i was on my radar of films that were going to be playing at the festival just because of julia de cornell's name um and yeah i mean i've seen a couple reviews saying this movie is just as out there as raw was which hey i'm i'm, I'm down for it um so but i mean that also makes it interesting right that this is the film that that took home the the palm door um i think this could be something really special um when when we get to see it i don't think it has a distributor yet but i imagine that um it will probably i I wouldn't be surprised in the next week or two if we hear that i don't know neon or somebody like that has picked it up um i think that i i sort of agree with that but this is also such a different film like i just think about parasite right the last palm door winner sure neon picked that up it is you know it's it's a genre mixed bag i'd say so many things it does have some horror elements to it for sure but this is like a straight like body horror thriller type movie and i don't know if that's like neon's thing i'm curious i don't know i i I don't know what a24's appetite but that feels like much more their bag or maybe like bleaker or stx or something it looks like focus features did um raw which um, universal sweet yeah which uh again was yeah. Uh, a a a um similarly grisly film especially um, so if they have the relationship already i could definitely see that happening too but um very cool moment again like i said her being only the second woman to have her film uh win the palm door scott elsewhere um with some of the other awards um that caught my eye best director went to Leo, leos carrick's for 
Annette. Um, this is, of course, the musical that Carrick's is directing along with uh, the band Sparks, Ron and Russell Mayle, who are themselves the subject of Edgar Wright's documentary, The Sparks Brothers, that has already come out this year and which I really enjoyed. Um, they've written this film. They've written the songs for this film. Um, and Carax, whose last film was Holy Motors, which um, get garnered a lot of attention when it came out um, and, you know, went, was on several critics lists as like one of the best films of the 2010s. Um, and so, you know, this was a much awaited film. Um, the the few reviews that I did see, uh, it seems like the film might be a little bit more divisive than Holy Motors was like there's just it's it's going to be out there, um, as I understand Holy Motors was. Um, but I think from what I understand um, from the reviews I read, it's it's it was out there to a level that did not work for some people, but that did work for other people. Um, I'm excited for the movie a lot more after watching the Sparks Brothers documentary, because um, in the documentary, they talk about how the Sparks Brothers, how Ron and Russell are big film fans. They were trying for many years to be involved with the film. At one point they were linked with Tim Burton. They were going to work on a musical with him. Um, and it just has never worked out for them. And finally they've gotten this film made. I've heard the couple songs that they've released from the soundtrack. They sound pretty good. Um, you have Adam driver and Marion Cotillard starring in this movie. So a good cast. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the movie and Clearly, um, at least the the work behind the camera resonated with people because Carax did take home the um, Best Director prize here. The other thing that stood out to me was uh, Best Actor, Scott, which went to Caleb Landry Jones for his role in a movie called Nitrum, uh, directed by Justin Kurzel, who, among other films, directed Assassin's Creed. Um, so interesting director to have a film playing at Cannes. Um, but this is a film about, uh, I believe, like a massacre that happened in Australia or somewhere like that. And Caleb Landry Jones plays the lead role. Somebody, Caleb Landry Jones, you know, an actor who is one of those that guys, right? Character actor who, you know, is usually shows up for two or three scenes as a sort of slovenly uh, supporting role. But here it looks like he's getting a leading role and making the most of it. Yeah, um, he's a mass murderer. Takes home the prize here, Scott. What caught your eye here among these results or any of the others from Cannes? Yeah, look, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I think that the kind of movies that show in competition at Cannes are, like, not usually the thing that I am just, like, my attention is just, like, so fixed on. It is. I, I feel like the tastes of the festival often don't always align with with mine. Annette was already on my radar. The French Dispatch, was, which was in competition at Cannes was on my radar of course Stillwater. Um, Stillwater wasn't in competition though was it it played at can i don't sure know yeah i mean like i mean like a ton of movies play at camp i'm talking about the ones that were in competition okay, um, i don't know yeah like i mean titan is not my type of movie um red rocket i think would be the one that like caught my eye right sean baker's next movie after very man. well reviewed from what i could see um yeah four years yeah. It, it seems the one thing that I, I will say, it was well-reviewed, but I think that some people said that it might leave a bad taste in some people's mouth, I think, for the particular subject matter, that it's like a, uh, I think one, I saw just the horrible, I think it was a Variety's review, had like the 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 tagline of like, porn again, like some sort of like pun on 
on porn and born again. Yeah. Well, look, but, sex work has played a role in all three and all of Baker's films, you know, yeah, going absolutely. back to Tangerine, the Florida project. And, um, you know, now yeah. I, be- I believe that Simon Rex, who's the main actor in red rocket actually did some adult films, adult films early in his career. But, um, yeah, yeah I mean, that, no, that, that I one's mean, already been acquired by a 24, which isn't surprising based on right. Sean Baker's other work. Um, so that's interesting. I think from an awards perspective, I think seeing Caleb Landry Jones, I think is cool. Australian movies. I've like weirdly watched a few of them recently. I don't know if that's weird or not, but I just, I've, I guess I've, they've been more in front of my eyes recently because I saw the dry, which is an Australian film, sort of like murder mystery type thriller, um, that I quite enjoyed. And Nitrim is now on my radar. I think that's interesting. But besides that, I'm, I'm not someone who like scrolls through reviews in general but i mean probably not of of the type that that you know other people might be interested in coming out of can i'll be interested to see which ones get distribution or in the u.s in a prominent way um i think titan is the kind of movie that would not have gotten distribution in the u.s if not for something like the palm door doesn't really seem like the kind of movie that is going to get a a real i guess like focus put on put on it but the fact that it won the Palm Door and the fact that the last winner of the Palm Door also won the Best Picture uh, Award at the Oscars, I think, does put more attention on. And I think that's awesome, even if the film's not my not my bag. Usually, I think that's great to get that sort of focus on the film. And I hope that means that it does get an even wider release yeah. you know, than it otherwise might. And I mean, Raw was a film which caught people's attention. I mean, look, it's still a foreign horror film. Um, yeah. But, you know, it... It, like I said, it got fo- focused features at least on board. So, um, yeah, I think yeah. this is one we'll definitely see in theaters before the end of the year. Um, so mm-hmm. I look forward to it when it comes out. Um, it's yeah, it's definitely probably more my thing than it is yours. But, you know, if it wins the Palm Door, you would think that there's maybe some level of universality about it. But we will see, I guess. We'll find out. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I think that there's a, there's a chance. There's a better chance, right? Like, ultimately, these are still just like. I mean, film, I don't want to say film bros, because that's probably not the right way to describe it, but it's still ultimately like film people, right? And I don't know if those tastes translate to guy down the street who goes to every MCU movie. I don't know if I want to hang out with that guy, but uh, fair enough. I'm, Man, that's that's a lot of people in the U.S. going Yeah, I know. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. I just, that's my own brother, I believe, but um but uh yeah no i mean that's fair we will see i mean some of the other festivals coming up may be more of a predict venice you know is one that we always watch toronto as well um yeah our new york film festival here in sure my new home just up the street sure um so yeah festival season is is in full swing now and um you know i think in uh, the next month or so we may start getting a yeah. first idea of what's going to be the films to watch at the the oscar in oscar season um but yeah uh all right scott that should just about do it for this episode of some like it scott where can our listeners find you on twitter or letterboxd at f shelton 2013 where you can see all my recent two star or below reviews <laughs> and you can find me at scarvy dent on the same we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast if you have and you'd like to support us don't forget to, about our Patreon page at patreon.com slash media plug pods. Uh, you can support us over there. Even if you can't support us over there, though, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, like, do all the things that you do on your preferred podcast app. 
And we hope you will be back for our next episode of the podcast on which we will be reviewing the new film from M. Night Shyamalan, one of my most anticipated movies of 2021. Old. What if they were old, Scott? What if people were old? We'll find out next week. Uh, Until then, for Scott Shelton, I'm Scott Harvey. We'll see you down the road. Cancel age. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.